Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This week's episode of the Bass Guitar Nerds podcast is sponsored by Ashdown Engineering, a British bass amplification powerhouse whose gear is seen on the biggest stages in the world backing up the biggest bands in the world. But now Ashdown have expanded their expertise into bass guitars. Having teamed up with master luthier Dan Lackin previously of Lackland Basses, Ashdown are now offering five different models of US designed basses, from classically inspired shapes to completely new designs using vintage sensibilities with all the modern applications a basis needs. Available in an ever expanding range of finishes and all for under a thousand pounds. These instruments are extremely exciting. Check them out at ashdownmusic.com or follow links in the description of this podcast. Hello and welcome to the Bass Guitar Nerds podcast, a podcast by guitar nerds. I'm your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by JD Short. Howdy, y'all. And Naomi McLeod. How are you? Y- yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back, dear listener, to another episode of the Bass Guitar Nerds podcast. Well, much has happened. Much has happened since we last podcasted. Fender brought out a whole new range of guitars that we're going to talk about. Um, there have been some other cool bits and bobs that have that have turned up on the, the world of the internet. It is the fo- when we're recording this podcast which is a couple of days before it goes out. Uh, it is the 40th anniversary of Ace of Spades, so I'm going to talk about some Lemmy Bits and Bobs, and of course, JD has uh, got a box load of new pedals and things, so we're going to talk about a couple of those. Um, but first of all, yeah, the 40th anniversary of Ace of Spades, and because it's that, um, Jim Dunlop sent me a load of like Lemmy stuff, because they do... Well, in particular, they do Lemmy Signature Strings and Plectrums. So they sent me a couple of sets of their Lemmy Icon series, um, which I was moderately surprised about. They're 50 to 105, so the 50 and 70 are obviously you know bigger than your standard 45 105s, where it'd be 45, 65. But then it, they have 85, 105, so the same as a standard set. Motorhead are down half a step, but these aren't especially heavy strings. You know, I I, I maybe expected a, a little bit more from Lemmy. I totally understand the choice to have the higher two strings slightly thicker if you're down half a step, but these are these are relatively you know standard strings. 
um, for such a, an aggressive band. Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of it is like so much of Lemmy's sound came from like his amps and everything too and like them being so distorted and i mean obviously like his rickenbacker um primarily and stuff like that and like i would imagine you know like not having super super heavy strings on there plus i mean you think about it when he probably was mostly playing there weren't you know like you couldn't get a 125 uh, string yeah. you know for a lot of a lot of like 25 years ago you know 40 years ago think about it, so yeah, 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 I guess so. But yeah, just like a, a stainless steel set of strings. Um, they're pretty good, though. They're like a um, an oversized core, so they're supposed to have a bit more mid-punch. Um, but yeah, which was which was good, which, which was kind of right up my street. I was like, because mm. ah, I'm normally half a step down from that on anything that I string up. So 50 to 105 is almost a bit light for me to do that. But, um, but yeah, they're pretty good. I sort of messed around this morning, played some Ace of Spades. Plectrums were good. The the um the Jim Dunlop, you know the ones that have loads of grip on them. Yeah, it's like yes. those, but they're they're black and maybe slightly thicker than normal. But I was like, this is actually a good functional plectrum as opposed to like a posery, you know, plectrum where it's wildly signature and unique and yeah but bells also, and whistles squashed into a plectrum yeah yeah <laughs> exactly you think you know I, I mean i love this sort of huffschmidt stuff with it in a sort sure. of a bit of a tongue-in-cheek way i think they're wonderful works of art and really impressive incredible plectrums but you know half of them are completely smooth and it's i, I remember when i started trying to play gravity picks live and even at a rehearsal i was like halfway through they were just slipping out my hands because they're all smooth i'm like i don't mm. understand why everyone plays these well i do it's because everyone plays them in their bedrooms you know yeah. and there's yeah. a big difference between like a bedroom player and a and a live player and the, these lemmy picks just seemed very functional i was like oh this is a plectrum for someone who's going to be covered in booze and sweat whilst they're playing i like that i like that even about the um about the strings. I mean, well obviously they're both they're both modeled on his personal preferences, aren't they? But I like that they they both sound like work tools that yeah. you know, quite a lot of people are are probably probably already using really similar things and there might just be a little a little uh little bit of a flourish to to his particular spec. Yeah, so what absolutely. what um what weight are the picks, do you know? I'm I'm not sh- uh, uh, uh they're I think they're a mill. Okay. I'm not 100% sure yeah it doesn't say anywhere on the plectrum mm. um and, and those, are they are they nylon yeah is that what those those the really st- grippy plectrums normally are the very ubiquitous kind of grippy ones that, yeah. that go from that go from sorry the ones that go from white to black yes that's yeah, right and the gray the, ones are the most but they're nylon that they're nylon sense. standards yeah. i've always wondered because because they're made out of that material, they tend mm. to be like my guitarist Tim plays like a, a 0.88 version of that. But mm-hmm. whenever I like have a you know have one of those plectrums, I'm like, well, oh, this feels like a 0.76. And if I compare it to a Duralum or whatever it is, 0.76, they feel the same. So I think the nylons just are maybe a little bit bendier as a material uh, than those. Possibly, so, yeah. So this I, is... I, yeah, I use the midi nylons. Had you tried the midi nylons? No. What's a midi nylon? So literally, I'm I'm sure I I don't doubt other companies are doing this, but just as 
as I came across them, I was um, working with a load of Dunlop picks in a store I worked in, and uh, they do a MIDI range, which is the in-between gauges. Oh. Yeah, so outside of your, um, what is it, 50? Yeah, 50, like 7, 6, 50, 60, 73, 88, oh, 73, one. is it? Oh, yeah, okay. so, well, somewhere 76, I think. But um, yeah, so outside of that, that standard um, nylon standard, which is also the same as the nylon standards that Fender did for a long time, um, you have oh what is it? I, all I know is the gauge I use is ninety six, and then you've oh. one oh seven above that, and you've eighty below that, and they were crazy popular. Like quite a lot of people were were um at the time kind of switching switching from the standard gauges to these these in between gauges that they do. They still worked. do they still do them? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. They're hmm. um they look identical except they are rainbow colored. Um, <laughs> in, in so instead of instead of white to black, they are. They are red up to purple. I see. I yeah. see. Oh, yeah, worth cool. a try. Yeah. Yeah, really cool. I mean, I know it's, you know, we're just talking about like a, a sort of a, a, a Jim Dunlop pick that Lemmy shoved his name on. But I was, but after going down the plectrum rabbit hole that I did, I was like, mm. this is probably the first thing I've tried in months that's actually gigable. Like that's actually a practical plectrum. You know, yeah. rather than a fancy plectrum. So yeah, and a big fan. I thoroughly recommend <laughs> the Jim Dunlop <laughs> Lemmy plectrums. They are cool, and you know, the strings are cool. There's probably a bit less to these strings individuality than there is a lot of custom sets. You know, you you see mm-hmm. things like I've seen the Steve Harris set of are they rotor sounds? I think they are rotor sounds. Mm-hmm. They're flat wounds, but designed to sound like round wounds and they're uh they're i think they're a heavier gauge or you have like the billy sheehan's that are like 0.43 to 107 or so you know sure yeah, and it's, yeah that's the sort of that's the level of customization you sort of expect from a from a custom from from an artist set these are these are relatively sort of down the line straight up but i think that was kind of i was about to say that was him as a as a player, but it really wasn't. If you think about his four fifteen Marshall cab, yeah, was, uh, and and his playing was pretty out there as well. Um, was there a signature Lemmy head? Was there a signature Marshall head? I feel I like there know. was. Um, well, because he used, I think, the four hundreds. If I'm not mistaken, I I'd have to think about because he had like the Marshall, like basically like. Oh, Actually, what 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 was his signature? I feel like there was a, a Lemmy signature. There, there was a Lemmy signature cab, so there must have been a Lemmy signature. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking at his Marshall one nine nine two Lem Lemmy signature base oh. head. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. I mean, signature hundred watt. Also, I mean, we could we could talk about the Lemmy's um, Rickenbacker. I'm yeah, pretty yeah, familiar the, with those. The the walnut bodied, which you used to only be able to get those, like the walnut bodied base as the as the Lemmy signature, and then it's only really? the last couple of years ago you could get the walnut, yeah, um, like uh, you know exposed walnut body and stuff, but it with just without all the the carving and everything that was all was all hand done on those. So and the oil finish, yeah, it it was the four thousand and four. Yeah. the the lemmy right and and it was that because it had is it, is it does it have two extra pickups in it yeah it's got it's got three i it had 
yeah, three pickups. There's a couple different variations where one pickup is closer to the neck than the other. Um, but yeah, it was like three. It was all like gold, and it was also gold hardware um, and everything on on those. And I think checkered binding or some special special binding, and then all the the oak and stuff carved into it, like all the leaves and acorns and everything um, on the the top of the base and everything that was that was all great um yeah but those those were amazing they were and when we were when i still worked at wrecking background we were building them it was like i think they were on like a five plus year waiting list you know at that time it was just because you could only really do them when we got enough walnut in when there was enough time to have people hand carve the tops of of bases for you know a large but relatively small shop compared to some of the big names that are you would put Rickenbacker or Backer in the in the same field with yeah I bet I do, I've never seen what price they went for I imagine the Lemmy was super expensive I had seen them for I mean this has been a while I think I think they were list from Rickenbacker about I think they were four thousand or something and then I think if you were to try to get one from someone who paid four thousand for it, I think they were listed most other places in the sevens. Was, <laughs> you know, like ten, fifteen years ago for Yeah. For I would say if given my pick of anything, the Rickenbacker I would get. But you know, still like Yeah. Yeah, I love the so pickup rare. configuration. It's the it's it's all the um it's it's all the weird carving that makes it so very specific. You know, it's it, it that that would almost put me off, but um, it is as kind of a ridiculous, really noticeable rock and roll machine. The uh, the Rickenbacker four thousand and four LK is yeah, very cool indeed. I, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's like it's like such an iconic look. You know, it's like Lemmy's black shirt and well, it, it, all black Lemmy everything, and you know, chest completely out. <laughs> like a hand carved base you know yeah. it's like, yeah. like one of those things you're just like well yeah makes yeah. sense yeah very ridiculous now this week jd you uh, uh i sent you some stuff yeah you've been you've been checking out a few bits and bobs so what what uh what base related things did you get a chance to have a look at uh well i've gone through a, a load but the a couple that i really really into um is the the jhs pulp and peel the v4 of that compressor i've been playing with that quite a bit and then um also this uh clog audio uh prickle fuzz which um those are my two faves at the moment that the prickle fuzz is a it's a fuzz that has zero knobs on it which at first you know is one of those things of I like to tweak things quite a bit, but uh, I immediately plugged it in and kicked it on and was like, yep, that's exactly where I would put it. Uh, and then it's got a second like pickle of the prickle circuit that um, really feels like another overdrive sort of high boost that just gets in some some gnarliness around, you know, that just really brings out a lot of the clarity on the top end and and gets a little glitchy which i'll do some more samples with but i was been really really into that and um 
mostly been playing playing with those two quite a bit. Um, it's it's really cool the the uh, the prickle fuzz. Just I think the fact that you know. Yeah, just that there are no controls, two foot switches. I love that it's like a completely chrome chassis with two different like embossed yeah, it's artworks like on the, Yeah, it's like act- actual etching. Like everything, I mean, everything's top quality about it. <laughs> like, like all the, all the components are astounding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, they're really really good. I thoroughly recommend them, listener. I have no idea what again like what they go for. I think we got sent that one probably four or five years ago, so I'm not sure if it's even still made. But um, it was always something that I was just like you. I was surprised how well it works, considering there is no way to control anything. Everything about that pedal yeah. is uh, is completely predetermined. Um, but it is very cool. And then. The other thing, yeah, the the JHS Pulp and Pill, which is uh, you know a compressor based on my favourite bass compressor, um, the Orange Squeeze, uh, the you know the old uh, uh, Dan Armstrong Orange Squeeze, which was of course designed as a. Do you remember those? They were yeah. mm, designed course, as like yeah. just just little little L- boxes that would the, sit on your bass. Yeah, that plugged plugged in to the jack. <laughs> they, they would <laughs> massively ergonomic. Yeah, it was before there was like any standardization to anything Mm. and like it was still the wild west and it was like all ideas were good yeah exactly Mm -hmm. well it's 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 almost you know i guess it's not strange it didn't take off but it was something that could definitely have taken off because they were like well you're not going to turn a compressor off not really you know if if you like using compression on bass you probably want that all the time so why would you need why would you need a foot pedal with this? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's a point for sure. Yeah, I'm really like I so some of the some of the features of this just that are I'm really into is it it has the XLR out, so it has a balanced out if you want to take a, a signal straight from that into a board or into, you know, anything else at, that you want like a balanced level into. Um it's got ground lift on it, which you don't usually see in a lot of pedal-based compressors. Uh, it's, it's got a buffer you can turn on or off, which is good for me, depending on where I would want to put this in my chain. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times I don't actually like buffers. What, 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 what reason would you have to turn it off? The, oh, the, turn the buffer off? Look, I'm, I'm not challenging yeah. that. I'm like, I'm like, I have no, what, would, would, would I want to turn it off at some point? Yeah. So I, I mean, so it depends on sort of like what's, what's coming next. Um, and again, like I think Naomi and I can will probably share similar experiences but it's like when you have i don't know half a dozen different distortion pedals on a board like they have to go in some sort of order and a lot of times like like if this were sort of if i this were before a distortion or a fuzz that i was using i would likely not put the buffer on or if it was kind of going into like an envelope or something that was really input sensitive that like i may want it to not be as um just yeah just not necessarily put the buffer on because like it's uh yeah there's sometimes like i just i just find that like you can get more expressive with different pedals if if the buff if there's not a buffer there and then chuck a buffer later in the signal somewhere yeah Um, do you mean so you're not taking it quite as controlled from yeah um yeah, or perhaps not quite as refined from that point in the chain if you've got wilder stuff that you want to kind of have fully expressing itself. 
Yeah, or just, you know, like some, like some, certainly some older pedals or some pedals that don't have sort of an input gain to them anyway. Mm. Like it's mm-hmm. like the buffer can overload them or yeah. just make, yeah, like anything that is sort of dynamic based, it's, it's sort of there. And like, I realize this is also part of a compressor, but like I, the other great thing I like about the Pulpen Peel is that it has a blend on it so that oh, you can, yes. you know, put just you know like you can you're basically you know if you just have 50 50 you're squashing or you have the ability to squash a good chunk of your signal to make some like harmonics pop or some other stuff Mm. without Mm -hmm. losing a lot of the sort of attack that i and and like a lot of the the initial sort of high-end bits and there's a lot of stuff around my playing that um is intentionally using like the string noise and stuff which i like to have a compressor on not but i i find this this i would use more as like this would be my always on kind of compressor where i have yeah absolutely i mean because i i have the the old like japanese cs2 um and that's my effect compressor yeah, um, that's that's yeah. for harmonics. Yeah, that's that's for just making everything loud and you know, like being able to like look at the bass and it sound like I'm playing a note. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the other the other thing about the the Pulpen Peel, like at least this the V4 that I'm really really into, is it's got it's got a dirt circuit in it that you can switch on or off, so you can put it in or out of the signal. <laughs> I found that too much that dirt circuit. Yeah, I have it almost almost all the way rolled off so certainly when it's because it's just a distortion circuit so when you have it um i can't remember which one of their pedals it's based off of but it's basically like you get another like you could really just use this as an overdrive right and distortion is a type of compression um but you can but i i have this just a little bit dialed in and it just it gives like that the tiniest bit of breakup and so i think that's i'm just sort of playing with it kind of now and just sort of see yeah see how i like it but yeah i was using using this straight in straight into the uh the di i use all the time um just kind of checking it out just to see what it would do to my direct signal right uh, without Mm -hmm. anything else and it's it's super usable and it's probably the thing that's going to be on my board the longest yeah. i think like i you know like it's hard to make compression sexy i think unless you get like like really really into it um but i i'm really it's a really versatile compressor that can be it it's definitely sort of an, an always on kind of one it's not it's not transparent but it's but it's there and it's you know one of the the make gooderers sort of it's, thing yeah, yeah it's definitely mm-hmm. it normalizes everything enough like i i think things like um the the boss um the uh, uh bc1x their multi-band compressor the problem with it is it does such a good job that you almost don't notice it and i really yeah. want to notice compression but then i have like things like the ashdown macchiato compressor which is uh guy pratt's compressor with the with a preset everything but it has a three band eq essentially but the the eq applies more compression to each of the bands essentially um but that that is 
way too much. Like I love sitting at home, playing the macchiato compression is wonderful. And I'm like, I will never be able to use this in a band situation because it's just too ridiculous. It's removed all of the dynamics. It sounds gorgeous on its own, but I know as soon as there's drums and a guitar and I'm supposed to be, there's supposed to be some dynamic presence to the bass. I know this is going to be too much. Just like I feel uninspired by the BC1X, you know, both of them do mm-hmm. the opposite thing wrong for me. And that yeah. that pulp and peel is exactly right. It's like that blend control means I can do the silly compression like the Guy Pratt um, Ashdown pedal. Yeah. But because I can blend it out, I can still have enough of a dynamic response. It's like a an old school compressor that doesn't do a bad job you know essentially um but yeah my and just just with that too like if if you we if someone were looking for like a a more studio grade compressor and a pedal like the two that i really like um and have used quite a bit were the is the dark glass supersymmetry that one's that's just a really excellent compressor and then Honestly, like, I can't recommend the uh, the Aguilar TLC like highly enough. Like that yeah, one, it's superb. That one was on my board for a very, very long time, and really gave me like um, like Universal Audio. Like everyone from plugins will know the LA two A um, compressor. <laughs> like, yeah, of course, re- you could really get those vibes. With oh, that, really? With, with the that pedal? Yeah. With the, with the Aguilar. Oh, God. this is the yeah. second Aguilar pedal that I've been tempted by. This, yes, this. Yes, that's exactly the sort of compression sound I want as well. So, yeah, it's good. I mean, that one, that one is, I would say, like that was just super excellent to have on, sort of there just to just to smooth out all the all the different bits, which is you know nice if you were, you know, moving from tapping to harmonics to, you know, this like heavy finger style stuff like within like the same, the same song or passage or whatever like it was um yeah it was just it was just really nice and and in the sense you really didn't notice it but in a really pleasing way right this is the this is the tlc you mean yeah yeah the tlc for sure i i found with the tlc that the i really enjoyed uh i felt like the sweep on each control is quite wide i feel like you know obviously it is it it does as it's printed but it it seems like compared to other other compressors i've tried that um you can really get uh from the a to z spectrum of the pedal in you do you know what i mean like as in it's outside of the compressor term range its range is huge compared to others um, yeah i found what so, um yeah. if what would everyone's favorite what would both of your favorite compressors be i guess if you if you had to choose one then that was going to go on a board. What do you think is the best compressor for bass? I haven't played a supersymmetry, but I would say sonically, from having heard it being played, I would be a huge fan. I think. Really? Beautiful. What? What? Yeah. What makes it stand apart? I, I'm sort of. I feel like I'm. I'm. Uh, you, you know, this. I'm opposed to dark glass. They they don't represent any of the things I like about bass, but they're like um, ding wall for me. There's like there's nothing about this brand that is in line with the things I like about bass. So I, I tend to not, you know, loads of loads of especially sort of like our friends Naomi in in the math rock scene. Mm, everyone's mm-hmm. everyone seems to have a dark glass drive or compressor or something dark glass on their board if they're a bass player. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, and well, it's, I, there's something I've not. Yeah, 
have not. Yeah. I mean, would you agree that, I, I, you know, I don't think Dark Glass are going out there trying to grab the, you know, with a particularly gigantic net for the bass playing market. I think they, I think they've identified what it is they're very good at. Yeah. Um, and that being quite a, you know, of a style. And um, yeah, they've, they've made it their mission to, to really go for that and, and, and get it and like you know I, I'm a huge fan of the Dark Glass Cabs for example but I don't think for a second that they're the most transparent sounding um, or you know traditional sounding cabs that I've tried I think they're um, you know they're sonically very different to to even like some of the classic cabs that we touched on in, in a recent episode yeah um, yeah I mean I sp- not that unlike kind of our friends at Strymon I think there's just that kind of it's quite a studio-y sound off the supersymmetry. Mm, I don't right. think it has I don't think it has that woolly old cozy fuzzy sound that we'd be used to from um I suppose from more yeah, more more kind of vintage compressors and stuff like that. Um I mean I love a vin- I, I love a vintagey compressor sound, but in terms of the most impressive, I would say the supersymmetry for me. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I mean I would I think it's I mean, really, I, th- I think there's, for me, there's there's really four, two in each sort of category, and it would, all ones I've mentioned. So it would be this Pulp and Peel or, you know, the uh, CS2, well, the CS2 I have, or, you know, a modern equivalent, or the Supersymmetry or the, T- the Aguilar TLC, like, at the other end. Like, I think it's like if you want, like, a really clear studio is just actually compressing the signal in a way and just making it it, it you know just, just leveling out some of the dynamics and stuff in a usable way like it's the TLC supersymmetry if you want the compressor to be noticed I think then it would be pulp and peel or mm-hmm. you know one of the boss CS2 or 3s yeah yeah I, okay. I need to insert another shout here um, for an old fave, which is the EBS multi-comp as well. Big oh. uh, yes, I've not tried one. I've not Have tried not? one. I bet it's very good. Um, I've seen it on lots of boards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I bet it's absolutely cracking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a yeah. good shout. I think interesting. Sorry, like I, I haven't. I was just thinking, like I haven't tried one either, and like I'm a massive EBS fan. Like, I, like the yeah. my, you know, I have a. 30 year old octabase now you know that it's still my main pedal um Mm -hmm. my main like octave but it's but it's like so much of the of their other stuff i just haven't it's sort of like stuff that comes and goes for me like in a way where i'm like oh this is really great but mm, maybe just not my thing so i'm i I don't think i've i have actually tried their multi-comp yeah Yeah, definitely definitely want to try I, i just feel like it's often overlooked in um in favor of kind of more more comprehensive but you know it's it's dual band it's it's uh controls are super simple like you literally have comp limit you have your threshold which i think they call sensitivity and then gain and and that's it you know and nice. I, a bit like we're saying with dark glass um in the sense of the multi-comp in particular i think ebs just wanted a very straight down the line very straightforward compressor um with the right balance of giving the user certain amount of control and setting setting others themselves as preset yeah yeah for sure um and it's cheap as well it's like how much is the multi-comp going for now oh i bet it is oh god 
I don't know. Check. Are you while you're looking looking for that uh, in your mind resources Google on or the Google. Um, I, 150 quid. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, sorry, carry there on. There you go. Yeah, I was just say like I used to have their their Valve drive that I really liked as well. That oh um, yeah was this distortion pedal that mm-hmm. has a valve in it. But if you look at the schematics, it doesn't actually. Well, that's, it's not it's, actually valve distortion. No, so. but it's it's a false thing, isn't it? The whole idea of valve distortion is. Yeah. It's it's not ever really that valve isn't ever really doing much on a in, on a on a pedal with whatever like nine volts running through it you know yeah. it's uh, it's not really doing its thing it's a a selling gimmick which has actually done the opposite for me if anything's like a oh valve drive I kind of avoid it because I'm sort of like ah oh, this is a gimmick to sell this product rather than you know an actual functional thing but you're saying it actually sounded really good despite it did, that it did sound really good but I yeah like I ended up getting I got rid of it a few years ago just as often happens with my my unintentional quest to run through every distortion pedal that's ever been made um you know like it's just (laughs) but it was like yeah that was one that really i hadn't enjoyed quite a bit and like Mm. just looks i mean it does look really cool and like um like all their stuff so well built anyway too like it's yeah it's great yeah yeah absolutely Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. For me, the uh the Pigtronics Philosopher's Tone um has I think is still my favorite compressor even though it's not necessarily always the one on my board because i think you have to have the right instrument running into it for it to work well and they actually they released a philosopher bass compressor and i didn't like it as much there was something about the original philosopher's tone that was just so wonderfully aggressive and much Mm -hmm. like the jhs pulp and bill it had a grit um control and a blend um, and I didn't really give this pedal time of day until um, Billy Sheehan started using one. And I was like, oh, that's what it's for. Like the <laughs> that sort of grit, like the he, like he didn't bother with the blend. It was obviously almost all the compressor. 
And then the grit was there as it sort of sits in the background behind the tone. And it was just this this incredibly, like just this one pedal that you can run at 18 volts that was supplying this perfect, like over-compressed 80s bass sound on its own without anything else, you know. I, th- I just thought absolutely cracking product but yeah doesn't really doesn't work with everything like you try running it through a jazz bass and it's it's not like it's there's too much too much top endy clicky treble it just becomes not like a p bass maybe with like flats or old rounds and it will bring everything to life in a controlled mm. way but mm-hmm. sort of anything anything normal and i'm i'm not sure it's the the right product but is it a little too lively for yes. a more kind exactly. of out there? Yeah, okay. Exactly. But like mm. just tonally, it's the compressor that I've most, you know, turned on and been like, oh, you know, everything about this pedal is fantastic and it's making everything sound wonderful. Where, you know, the the pedal that's the compressor that's actually on my board at the moment is the aforementioned Boss uh, BC1X. Um, just because it's easy. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. especially improve my tone, but it's when you're trying to. Uh, it's on my board now because I had like a, a a a fly rig for the last Polybath tour, essentially because I I was having some issues with my pedal board and I needed to build a new one. That's first show was going to be before I'd had a practice with it, so I was Ooh. like, right, I need a compressor that's going to work with the band. Mm-hmm. that I'm not going to have to mess around with too much. And because it's just so transparent, the BC1X was the the thing to trust um, in that A sense. good workhorse. A good workhorse, yeah, exactly that. Um, now, we should uh, we should talk about some, some kind of things that have that have come out this week, some things, well, recently, some things that have been released. Some news, essentially. Yes, let's let's talk about some news-like things. Um, Something that came to sort of our attention uh, this week um, was uh, Prisma guitars. Um, The incredible um, uh, San Diego-based guitar company who make guitars out of like uh you know reconstituted skateboards um and have made some absolutely fantastic stuff they've come over to the uk via james's home of tone which is the you know official guitar nerds most loveliest of uh boutique guitar shops um but yeah they they've they've done a bass and like we were talking about this before naomi i was like i think they have done basses before but Neither of us could find anything when flicking back through the Prisma Guitars Instagram feed. Yeah, certainly no like ongoing, um, what's the word, staple staple models or anything mm. like that or shapes. Yeah. But needless to say, this one caught our attention, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The Matsonia or Matsonia uh, bass, which, I don't know, off, how do you describe the shape? Offset SG? Yeah, pro- yeah, like off... <laughs> somewhere uh, an sg long sg uh, 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 it it met a jazz bass at some point in its life right yeah that such as the such as the proportion of the offset almost yeah. like a a jazz a jazz shape with sg horns yeah yeah i think that's a good shout yeah and that's about where the jazz uh comparison ends <laughs> yeah <say. laughs> it's literally just that lower hmm. that sort of lower quarter lower back quarter of, of the instrument yeah which mm. uh, 
is uh, is is rather jazz bassy. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> this looks absolutely cracking. They've done it in an ice blue metallic uh, with a flake top coat. It, um, it's one of the most stunning bases I've seen. Yeah, like in the, in that it, it it looks like like it doesn't look like you would expect to see it in real life, kind of mm. way. Like in in the most. I mean that in the best way possible, <laughs> you know, like you would just be like, it, it looks like something that like what it must've been like to watch like David Bowie in like the seventies. And you're like, what's he doing now? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, but, but in base form. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a few things about the top that I've never seen before. I've like, I've never before seen a uh, flake over natural finish. Um, have you guys seen that before? No, Spark- no, Sparkle over natural. Yeah. Um, also, the this is just the top I'm talking about. Obviously, the back is the ice blue metallic with the flake top. So that's it. It's very beautiful, but it's it's like um, you know, it's not unlike types of finish we've seen before. But the sparkle over natural, and then the partial stain on the top as well. So yeah. it's natural, but it's got um, it's got some kind of super warm. Um, super worn kind of saffrony tones and then a hint of the ice blue metallic in the natural this it's actually quite hard to describe yeah it's um, it's, it's without sti- without maybe you sticking a picture up in in the group joe but i it, will um, do it's incredible yeah. attention to detail yeah it is um i mean that's not even talking about the other appointments but as as a finish itself it, it's without the bias of me being really into it i think it's one of the most interesting finishes i've ever seen yeah absolutely the pickup i have no idea what the pickup is yeah is it like a humbucking b90 it's yeah it's so for listener it's a dogged p90 shape obviously the b90 pickup we've talked about made by seric um which is becoming you know sort of the new bassist's favorite at the moment this is that same chassis but it has, in the same way that a jazz bass has two pole pieces for every string, unlike, oh, no, I guess, yeah. Yeah, sorry. For, to, I was going to say unlike a P bass, but I guess a P bass does as well. Sort of, yeah, across the two pickups, does it? Did we both just look to our nearby yeah. P bass? I'm, I'm trying to look at my P bass now. I can't see it. It's <laughs> facing away from me. But like a jazz bass that has two small pole pieces that sit slightly to either side of the string, this has that, but on the low, what would be E string and the high G string, they are angled in favour of the bridge, but not completely, like diagonally, which is very yeah. unusual <laughs> yeah i i would be do you know did you catch what brand the pickup is no i i, I don't know I, i'm gonna check quickly that he hasn't put it somewhere obvious in the description of this bear in mind i'm doing all of this listener off of the prisma guitars instagram which is just mm-hmm. prisma guitars as one word i'm sure there's more information of this on their website which, mm. <laughs> which i haven't had the foresight to look up but i need to find out what this pickup is because it's incredibly interesting I'd certainly be excited to, you know, just try one of the pickups out. Yeah, I'm both keen to hear it and curious of the of the design functionality because I mm. haven't seen, I don't think I've seen a pickup that mixes uh, straight alignment with diagonal all in the one pickup yeah. um, across the strings like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that looks completely bonkers. Oh, JD, you know, you yeah. mentioned David Bowie. Yeah. It just made me think of something. 
Um, the in 2015, uh, Tony Visconti, who's the the bass player on well uh, on several Bowie records, you know, is part of the the Spiders from Mars band. But he um, he's also a producer, and he remixed some of the Bowie records, including The Man Who Sold the World. Yeah, and you can listen to they have since remixed it post. Tony Visconti, but I thoroughly recommend listener and JD and AME listening to the 2015 version of The Man Who Sold the World, which um, shouldn't really be David Bowie's The Man Who Sold the World. It should be Tony Visconti on bass and some other instruments lower in the mix. it's it's, i can't believe he got away with it i cannot believe it and listener please go and give it a listen and come back to me on this one because it's visconti centric it's unbelievable it's unbelievable the the opening track which is uh uh something circle i can't remember what it's called without it in front of me um but uh yeah the opening track which is a very long a very long track which has some incredible bass work in it it's just, it's, it is ridiculous. I am aware that I've listened to it mostly in my office where I have my speakers favour bass quite a lot because it's also the rig that I run <laughs> into when I'm playing. But, mm-hmm. um, but really it's, uh, there's, it, it was, I found it at times almost unlistenable it, it, in the wow, it's that extreme. It's it's like wow, this is fantastic. If it was a play along, if I was watching a play along on YouTube, this is great. Oh, and wow. to be okay. to be honest, to be able to hear all the stuff that Tony Visconti did was incredible. Mm. Mm-hmm. But um, but you're aware you're listening to it as a basis. Yeah, it's been, it's been released not as <laughs> yeah. a base project. <laughs> but I mean, exactly. You know, if, if we think back to like early bass guitar nerds episodes like we were chatting about like like some of the differences in recording and getting that that feel like that 70s feel for recording and part Mm -hmm. of it is that if you listen to records then basses were so much louder in the mix than they are like in the like metal era and Mm -hmm. subsequent you know like it like 70s basses across all genres were so much more present than than everything being so guitar focused and yeah, it's like that's absolutely. one of the things that like it took me a long time to sort of to sort of unlearn a lot of school stuff because it's sort of like you do the drums you get the drums to like you know negative six and then you like mm. put in the bass so it like pokes through but doesn't really it's not really there and then you, you layer in all the other stuff and it's but then it's like or you nudge up the bass a bit and it automatically sounds like a, a much better record yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I was, you know, I've, I was listening to, um, like the first. I, we spoke about that on uh, this on this week's Guitar Nerds episode, or it might be in the Patreon episode briefly. But I've got a bit into Black Sabbath, and I was listening to Black Sabbath's first self-titled record, which, as Jay pointed out to me, was recorded in twelve hours. Um, <laughs> and Geezer Butler's bass on that as well, like loud in the mix, like really super aggressive he keeps in all the mistakes he makes on his runs yeah like you know there are tracks where he's obviously just messing around with a wah pedal <laughs> this that's definitely not like geared towards bass at all um it's yeah he's he, 70s bass tones they're the best i just before we move away from the man who sold the world there is a it's less about bass but there's one performance of it that's that's online it's from 
um, it's a Saturday Night Live, which is a uh, U.S. program, but it was Saturday Night Live, David Bowie, with um, like Klaus Nomi. Is so you can search for that. Um, Klaus Nomi and uh, Joey Arias, like as back, like backing, like singers for it, and like their vocals and harm. One, I love Klaus Nomi, but two, like it was like his, like their it's one of the most just engaging performances that like I could, I'll sit and watch it like five or six times in a row. Just, right. Just seeing it. So I highly recommend checking that out as well for when, a, when was a it? compare and contrast. When is it? Well, yeah. What, what year was it? Oh, it's like you know, 79. I think. Oh, really? Right. Yeah, it's, okay. yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. From really early, um, from, from when that, you know, was out and popular. Wow, oh, that's nice. that's awesome. That's very yeah. cool. To my shame, I I've not heard Klaus Nomi or of his work, but oh. I just looked him up and well, he seems he seems to have transcended singing because Google Google classes him as a German vocalizer. Yeah, is a con- <laughs> he was a, a con- kind of scares me to be honest. Yeah, contratenor. Um, oh sure, okay. yeah. So yeah, there's there's also a couple really there's a couple Klaus Nomi documentaries out. Um, I think on. Amazon Prime, uh, you can find, but it's mm-hmm. well, well into Klaus Nomi, it, and again in this sort of like magma ruins world of like he had his persona was that they he was an alien, like in all of his performances, like he was an alien and they came from Nomi, <laughs> like the planet, and so like uh, they are just like weird alien beings and such, you know, whereas like magma actually sings in a made-up language um and, and everything so it's like it's like just that levels of bonkers with everything else sort of happening and him having this like incredibly beautiful operatic voice like singing on top of like a rock band and stuff that was nice yeah yeah, you, yeah. you've got to admire that level of commitment reminds me of like sunra and those sorts of projects yeah just really really going for it you know, mm. like have a thing and do it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Now I need to uh get everyone's opinion on the new uh Fender American Professional Two series, because that came out last week. Um also I think just after we did the last episode, the the Fender uh Professional American Professional Two series. Fender have modernized you know, as dear listener we spoke about on the Guitarners podcast, Fender of uh, have advanced their professional series since its release, which includes all of the bases. Um, but they've made some significant moves away from what would be a traditional Fender, I guess. So I was mm-hmm. interested to hear what you guys thought thought about uh, both of these. The, the precision base and the jazz base, which are the two bases that are in this in this range. Now they've moved they've moved on to the V mod two pickups, which are actually very good. I think they're Tim Shaw designed. He seems to be very very good. But they've introduced things like contoured heels. Yeah, this got me. This seems very modern for the sort of American yeah American professional that um that bracket of product i suppose um yeah i'd be super keen to, to try one out i've actually not played a fender base I mean, is this brand new to fender um bases 
that new neck heel because I know some of the guitars had a previously, didn't they? I think the deluxes probably had a contoured yeah, the, heel. The, Did they? The okay. deluxe or the elites? But, that, but this is yeah. this is the professional. This is the standard. This is yeah. Fender basses, mm-hmm. and this it, it basically it, I, the reason I bring it up is because for me it's like it's it's a bit of a problem because I'm like, well, Fender then no longer represent the essential p bass or jazz bass now for them that is completely confined to vintage models which are very expensive and custom shops which are very expensive what mm-hmm. fender are saying the standard is now has you know a contoured heel <laughs> but just sort of other sort of modern appointments that i've been like well this is very strange for for me is like i just think it's a weird thing for fender to do to, mm. to sort of mm-hmm. you know it's a p base for goodness sake i don't i don't understand why and how the weird modern things which i would say most bass players don't like have now moved on onto the the standard fender this is this is what a p base is you know range um it's a bit weird. Yeah, I mean, I would be curious. Maybe was was there some feedback towards the sort of elite and deluxe um, products that that maybe there was a demand for them at that slightly lower price point? I mean, they've they've are the rolled edges brand new for professional too? I'm not um, sure that they they might I well f- be. Yeah, I feel like that was on just elites and deluxe before. I could be wrong, but again, that seems um, that seems another modern appointment and the new finish as well. Satin, supernatural satin is the new finish. Um, uh, which which ones? Oh oh yes, sorry yes, the neck finish. Yeah yeah um, yeah. This is this is interesting because that's almost a, a step backwards. It's still satin, mm. but at least they've sort of gone. You know, maple looks a bit better when it's got a vintage tint, and and they've yeah. actually added that because before there was that sort of you know very pale looking maple on the standards which was to be to be honest almost the main reason why i always bought vintage spec fenders because the headstock you know didn't look pale maple it had a that sort of orangey classic look to it mm, mm-hmm. um, but uh yeah they're uh yeah weird some 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 weird new finishes i think it'd be interesting to see what these are what these are like was just about to ask you about the finishes. I'm crazy about these finishes, personally. I think the um, what is it called? The dark, the mystic. the bluey, blacky, yes, one that'll so have the... a name similar to that. I'm sure. Um, yeah, Mercury is the only one I'm remembering currently. Um, anyway, the Mercury finish I am super into, but the dark, almost like reverse burst. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean, and we talked yeah. about it on the last podcast. We did. Uh, Miami Blue. <laughs> My no, Miami oh. Blue is like our. <laughs> oh, damn it. Yeah. Miami Blue it, is the really nice, like super vibrant. Ah, yeah. All right, and, Elim- and for listeners, uh, it's it's dark night, dark night, dark night. Yeah, dark it's night, basically black that goes to like a lighter blue at the edges, so yeah. which is a reverse burst sort of thing. Yeah, I really like. I mean. I don't know how I feel about the like I don't have a problem with the contoured heel, but I also had the jazz deluxe when before you, the deluxe became the elite like that. Yeah, era. you played that for the longest time. I yeah, think that's what I've always seen you play. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean, and that was that was the Fender I got because it it basically had the most updates that I would do to it 
anyway. Like it, it came with a right. high mass bridge, which I replaced. It came with, um, you know, like noise canceling pickups, which I also replaced, even though that's why I got it. And then, you know, but it, but it had the, it had that scalloped heel, which was the thing that I, that I, that I quite like on, cause that was always a thing. And I was like, well, it doesn't have, like, it doesn't have to be a big block anymore. I just, you know, like I just, I don't know. Like, I guess I that I is a good point. That is yeah, a good. It's... it's a good point that it doesn't have to be that anymore. Whereas you know, sort of, I'm holding onto it for this sort of uh, purely aesthetic, traditionalist sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I mean... and also like remember the the you know that standard point is is supposed to be the ideally the catch all of of the Fender demographic, and you know technically should be a playing should be appealing to all player types too you know and we we can't we can't leave out of that players who genuinely you know mechanically would benefit from a neck heel yeah i guess so i guess i guess you're absolutely right i i just i kind of i think and it's probably just built into me from years in a mm. guitar shop but it's mm-hmm. it's like i was so used to well if you're if you like that sort of stuff which probably means you play session or funk then you have the deluxes mm-hmm. and that's what that's for And Fender is a rock and roll instrument. So if you're playing rock and roll, there's the standards and that's what that's for. And if you're an aspiring musician or, you know, you don't have a grand, then there's the Mexican range and that's what Mm -hmm. that's for. Like that always seemed to be, I think that's just because that's what you brought up on. I'm like that those splits make sense. And now, you know, now you look at the player series, which is the you know the new Mexican line. It's like wow, it's it's fantastic, and actually they have gloss yeah. necks now. You know, they're, they're yeah. actually very very good um, for the you know especially for the their price point. And the professional has sort of become the deluxe, and then the ultras are sort of I don't know something else. It's uh, yeah, it's like super deluxe now or something, isn't it? Without yeah. the artistry of going as far as custom shop. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get the idea of like that things fall into categories. It just like to me, it just feels like that. You know, if you have a, a if you're worried about like a a big square blocked neck heel for aesthetics, like you you yourself are the only person who's going to see it, and you will only see it three percent of the time. Maybe yeah. you know, like it it like it just doesn't feel to me like that's a. No, you're absolutely right. This is me being over the top about traditional sort of things. It's yeah, just, I mean, you know. definitely if anyone is at a polymath gig going forward <laughs> when gigs become real again, and if yeah. you genuinely are spending 50% or more of polymath's set time wondering about Joe's neck heel, um, let us know. Yeah. Let us I, know in the group. We'd, I, I, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. I've never played above the 10th fret. It's uh, it's uh, it's definitely not an issue. You're just but. confirming, I think, that you've no business yeah. complaining about the neck heel. Actually, <laughs> I just don't like change. I just that, yeah, that is I what think this, that's that what is it is. Essentially, what this boils down to that, yeah. that is what this all boils down to. Um, you you know, I I um I still haven't bought. You know, we were talking about I was going to buy a, a a bass collection, Detroit bass. Yeah. Oh yeah, you were. So I still haven't. But I definitely, I do need a new P-Base. And maybe you guys can help me on the last bit of this podcast. I was like, what? I need to look around at what the what the other options are at a similar price point. Mm-hmm. So Sandberg do their Electra series. 
their oh, yeah. their VS4 because I think they've done a new VS5, so the VS4s are a, a little bit more reasonably priced now. Very good, Samberg. You know they do their the 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 or is it in, uh, they, they do their their P base you know model, um, which is you know dead simple. It's active, but it's it's pretty simple and functional looking. Certainly, mm-hmm. everyone seems to be very positive about them. Downsides, maybe they're a bit sessiony. I kind of feel that's where Sandberg bases appear, and I'm concerned that that's the tone that the instrument would have gone after. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you mean sonically or outside of the sonics of the um, instrument? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to put flats on it. I want it to sound like a P mm. bass, you know. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that concern with a Sandberg, like, you know, is, mm. is it going to do the right thing? Then GNL, they do their LB100 yeah. tribute, which is very good. That's their precision bass, which has some lovely finishes, a great big high mass bridge. For all intents and purposes, it looks like a very, very good version of a, a P bass. Again, like £550 you can pick one of those up for. Um, Warwick do the, the rock bass Adam Clayton uh, signature, which is... Um, a reverse precision pickup in a streamer style body shape um, which you can get oh yeah look at that white with a black plate yeah it's got it's got a thumb rest in just the right place and uh, maple neck with black block inlays a bit more money now we're on 900 pounds so there is that downside that it's almost double the price of the others yeah Um, and a very hybrid look like and Warwick a, yeah. are really trying to keep their body shape in there yeah. aren't they and squeeze as many classic p base appointments <laughs> in as part. I'd love to have heard that meeting basically with Where between Adam the Clayton, designer and Adam yeah. <laughs> Adam Clayton a guy who essentially plays jazz basses normally has gone to them and <laughs> had that made but yeah. yeah um and then yes of course there is the 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 last one is the bass collection Detroit uh mm. bass only because I can't think of um, like any others, but looking for a classic P bass, ideally looking for a Fender alternative. Um, what do you think, guys, out of that selection or something that maybe I've missed? I mean, um, there's no Yamaha BB shout. No, because it's PJ and I really okay. don't want a jazz pickup. Okay. Mm-hmm. And would Lackland be in there for any shout or is the price point cutting you? So, yes. So Lackland would be my ideal. I would mm, like mm-hmm. to buy a Lackland. But, yes, you're absolutely right. Um, Lackland's, the sort of Bob Glaub, which is their their P-based version of this. You know, they also mm. do it as an unnamed version in their Skyline series. You, mm-hmm. it's, it's just hard to find more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's there's one I think in uh, base gallery at the moment for nine hundred pounds, and it's Ooh. which which is quite a good price. But you mm. know, at the same time, I was like, uh, you know, I I don't know. I I was just looking for a second P base sort of thing. I, and, sure. And, and I know yeah. that's the same price as the Warwick, but and I should have included it because of that. But that's almost like oh, this is a bit. I'm I'm just looking for a second P base. You know, nine hundred pounds yeah. is almost a bit much for that. Yeah, and fair enough if you're um if you're looking potentially for the convenience of getting something new as opposed to used. That's I mean, that's it. Yeah, as well. Yeah, like I brought it up because a beautiful base was shown to me. I mean, in in somebody's ad recently, I think it was maybe marketplace or somewhere like that. But someone had their 
4464 PJ in natural. Oh yeah. Are you familiar with that of the skylines? Yeah. It was very nice. In, in very a PJ nice in a PJ format. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Yeah, it was indeed. Mm. Anyway, as as you said, a lot harder to find. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, for the task at hand. I mean, I am super intrigued by this work and would love to hear. I mean, have you have you heard it much? Have you seen uh, one played? Or? I, I played one a bit when I was there, like a, a couple of years ago. That you know, yeah. th- um, there there was one on the on the wall that. Um, we, uh, <laughs> again, I'm going to name drop, but again, I was there with Juan Audrey, and he was because oh, yeah. he he was playing one of these for Marilyn Manson at the time before uh, Warwick made him some bases. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was playing this at the time, and so he had one of these with him. Um, but um, yeah, so I played on that a little bit, but and and it was it was fantastic. I love the idea of a precision pickup round the other way. I think it's an excellent idea, like something that it's weird to me that only the Mark Hoppus Fender has ever done. You know, it just seems like a sensible way round. Yeah, my Reverend Mercalli Five has a oh, of course, piece. yeah, yeah, big fan um, tonally of that and its capabilities. Yeah, so. Yeah, Pity Fender haven't done that more, as you say. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so there is Sandberg, GNL, Warwick, Lackland, Base Collection. Base Collection. I mean, honestly, I think it's so hard to beat the Base Collection for, again, like you're saying, I want a, a second P Base. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, I have always really liked, liked the Base Collection. They sound, I mean, they sound like you expect them to sound, which I, I don't know enough about the Sandberg or the, the Warwick. Um, but, you know, like I, I, I've i played other versions of those and I think you maybe, you know, I could I could I could see the, the extra studio weirdness like they, they wouldn't really be a. They would be I wanted a second P base that was a bit different than a than just having a second P base, like yeah. to be able to use in case I needed to use a second P base. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. But um, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, so I'm 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 not sure. I think I think potentially you're right. I think potentially the Detroit base by a base by base collection offers more bang for its buck. In fact, nothing else really comes close. Like. Yeah. The Sandberg is very different. The Sandberg is is active and modern, so you know it's it's also two hundred pounds more. But you know it's 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 quite a different thing. The GNL is is very close, but is also you know it's not really a P base shape. It's it's its own shape sort of thing. The Warwick obviously is very different, and then the the Lackland is just rare and expensive. I just I th- I guess I expected when I went hmm I want a p base for around 500 pounds i expected to be looking at more than just base collection you know um yeah i mean definitely in terms of remaining super faithful to to the p base appointments the the base collection seems like i mean yeah in terms of what we can find at hand between the three of us seems to be the um seems to be the only one doesn't it yeah yeah exactly i guess as jay keeps insisting i should just buy a player um but yeah. uh but yeah, they I mean, the players are fantastic. They are very and like, good. Yeah, and I feel like they're really killing it in terms of um, in terms of options, in terms of range. Definitely more so than than you know they have in the last five years in terms of Mexican um, Mexican build options. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they they are really good. The players are great. I I would love some vintage colors in that series. I think that's yeah. uh, that that's what I really want. But yeah, know. there's just one other shout, Joe. But I reckon, yeah, I reckon it might be design wise just too much its own thing, mm. as we've just said. But um, the decision base by Reverend. I mean, mm. yeah, like yes, it's very Reverendy. It's very um, you know. It's their tribute to a P-Base. It's not their copy of a P-Base by any stretch. Um, but just in terms of playability, sound, tonal control, and you do get the PJ as well. I don't know if you're very much being a purist about your pickups. I, I think that's that's exactly what I'm being. I'm being like, mm. I don't want to shut off a pickup. I want yeah, I, okay, I want fair. this thing that does one job. But you're right. Mm. It is actually a very good option. Also available yeah. in Burgundy Mist. It It is. Um, and you get your reverse P as well. Oh, that is true. That is very yeah. good. That is very good. It is definitely a cool option and, you know, a fantastic brand that obviously make incredible stuff. Have yeah, it's on It's on my list as a probable next purchase, I'd say. Really? It's, the decision Yeah, base. the decision for sure. Mm. I mean, I'm after, I'm at, I know I'm after a Reverend four string, so it'll probably be between the, the, the triad and the decision I see oh um, yes the the triad was always my favourite reverend I think just mm, the idea mm-hmm. of three uh, three jazz pickups uh, it just looks absolutely fantastic um, mm-hmm. but yeah ooh, I, I, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to go away and think about that and that is that is actually all the time we have on the, this week's episode of the Bass Guitar Nerds podcast so yes thank you very much dear listener for tuning in you can of course uh, check us out on Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds um, and join us on all of the social media platforms with at guitar nerds and uh, the three of us will be back the week after next with more of this bass guitar nerdery farewell What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.